0: Would you pray with me? Good and gracious Father, what a joy it is to be able to open up your holy word, to be with a family of faith, to know that you are faithful, that when we cry out to you, that you hear us. Forgive us of any ways that we have fallen short, and open your holy word to us today, and breathe through these words into our lives. Help us to see ourselves. Help us to see the great vision you have for us, the plan. And help us to walk in a way that honors you and is a blessing to your people. We pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. This is going to be very hard for me to stand here. We're having some technical problems. I'm a wanderer, and, um, and so that's just going to be tough, although I was thinking that wandering has been the source of many problems in my life, and so maybe this is a good thing. When I was a, a boy, I lived kind of a, a little bit of an unusual life, at least on the weekends. My parents were great tennis players. And so we were kind of a tennis family, and we would travel around Friday evening all the way through the weekend to tennis tournaments all over the state of Colorado. And it was just a lot of fun, and it was a great way of kind of growing up. That was when we met a a friend who really became more like a part of the family. His name was Bob. Bob Popovich, what a name. And Bob was just an absolutely great guy. I loved hanging out with him. He was kind of the first one that I'd ever met like him. He was just crazy smart. He was a a doctor. Uh, He was uh, funny. He was uh, intelligent and just had these great conversations with him. And Bob just kind of came to be part of our family. When we weren't on the tennis court during the week, he'd often come over for dinner and We'd sit around and have great, uh, great conversations and play canasta, and it was just, he just became like an uncle to me. Well, my mom really uh, cared about him like a brother, too, and uh, she's, she, set, she felt like it was her responsibility to fix him up. He was a single man, and so uh, she tried two or three times to fix him up with some of her girlfriends, and about the third time, Bob came back and she said, Please, please don't do that anymore. And uh, she said, why is that? She said, well, then the bomb just dropped. He said, he said, I'm entering the priesthood. Hmm. Honestly, we didn't know what to do with that because we were out traveling on weekends and not going to church. And so we didn't have like a, a church, you know, experience and we didn't have a background. And so for him to say he was entering the priesthood, we just didn't know how to deal with that at all. But we just kept hanging out with him, and he entered seminary and, and uh, just became, you know, continued to be great friends, and even deeper, more interesting conversations in the four years that he was in seminary. Well, a few years later, he invited us to his ordination, and I got to tell you, as a young teenager, it was really something. It's called receiving the sacrament of holy orders. I know we have some that a Catholic background, so that sounds familiar to you. And it was absolutely a beautiful and powerful thing. But the thing that I will never forget is the moment that my friend Bob, who had just been a friend of mine, he laid out on the floor in front of the altar, his arms spread wide, making his body into the shape of the cross, in this great act of humility and contrition, in a beautiful white robe, as he accepted his calling. And I thought at that moment, I remember it so distinctly, this was just Bob. This was just Bob who we used to swap jokes that were sometimes a little off-color. This was Bob the tennis player. But now it seemed like Bob was something more. He was something different. He was something else. Our passage today is about the priesthood. And of course, as Protestants, we have kind of a different understanding of what it means to enter the priesthood. In our passage today, Peter gives us some ideas. He gives us some clarification. And in fact, what he does is he kind of gives us a, a comparison of the Old Testament priesthood and now the New Testament priesthood. So for instance, in Leviticus 1, seven, referring to the Old Testament, it says, the sons of Aaron, the priest, shall put on a fire on the altar and arrange wood on the fire. Then Aaron's sons, the priest shall arrange the pieces, the head and the suet over the wood which is on the fire that is on the altar. Its entrails, however, and its legs, he shall wash with water, and the priest shall offer up in smoke all of it on the altar for a burnt offering, an offering by fire of a soothing aroma to the Lord." And so it was that Aaron, the older brother of Moses, was a Levite, and in accordance with God's plan, God's command, the Levites were a dedicated people. They were set aside, they didn't have a land of their own. They were completely dedicated to be priests and servants of God. They were to intercede for the people. This was their function to offer sacrifices, to pay for the sins of the people, to keep them in a right relationship with God. But now, Peter invites us to look at the New Testament, a different priesthood. As Chris read, it said, you also as living stones, you are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood. But now, you and you are part. Chris, you are part of a holy priesthood. All believers have become part, set aside for a special purpose unto God. Listen to how Paul describes this incredible change in 1 Corinthians 3.16. Do you not know that you are a temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If any man destroys the temple of God, God will destroy him, for the temple of God is holy, and that is what you are, you, you, Or 1 Corinthians 6, 19, Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own, for you have been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. The first thing I'd like you to see in this passage is that you and I, all believers, are called to serve God and minister to His people. You see, the Old Testament priests were called to offer animal sacrifices. We are called, rather, to offer spiritual sacrifices. Listen to the second half of verse 5 in our passage today. You are to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. This is your calling. This is your ministry. Romans 12.1 describes it this way. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God to present your bodies, not animal sacrifices anymore, but your very bodies as a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. In the Old Testament, it was by, uh, by fire, and it was a soothing aroma to God. So now your sacrifice as a priest is your praise and your worship. As the choir sang this morning, aren't we all lifted up into that? Don't we experience the worship, the offering it is to God? I've never once, thank God for this, I have never once heard the choir, sensed in my spirit, had the attitude that they were glorifying themselves. Not one time, but always it is the idea of coming together as a body, to glorify the one who is worthy. Hebrews thirteen fifteen says, Then through him, then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of the lips that give thanks to his name. All born again believers, it says in verse 3, that have tasted the goodness of the Lord. We have immediate access to God. This is the great gift that we have. We are the temple. The Spirit is our intercessor. You see, it wasn't, it wasn't always this way. In the Old Testament, the Spirit would rest on a prophet or on a small group of prophets. But now we can stop at any time in our lives and humble ourselves. You see, I think we just take it for granted because we've never known anything differently. That the Spirit of God in the Old Testament was selective. From Pentecost on, it was poured out upon all believers. So we can stop in the hospital room in a great crisis and know that God is with us. We can stop in the the classroom when we know that things are going to get tough. We've got more students than we have space or maybe patients. And we can stop and we can pray. We need no priest to intercede for us. Because Jesus now is our high priest, and the Spirit of God intercedes for each one of us, lifting our petitions to him. We are called and empowered to serve him and each other. Martin Luther said it this way, since he is a priest and we are his brethren, all Christians have the power and must fulfill the commandments to preach and to come before God with our intercession for one another, and to sacrifice ourselves to God. So the second thing that I'd like you to see in this passage today is, oh, my soul, this is my greatest desire for you today. Would you elevate your vision of who you are in Christ this very moment? Elevate your vision of who you are in Christ. You know, you saw that picture of the priest that was laying down that wasn't my friend Bob that's what he did and we think oh my goodness that's something unique and special and I can't really see myself doing that listen I want you to elevate your vision of who you are in Christ Bob was just that guy that I grew up with that we swapped jokes we told stories but now it seemed like he was something else he was something Different. He was something more. And I just want you to call, call to your attention today that that's who you are. From the moment of your baptism forward, you were something else. You were something more. In fact, I just want to remind you today, hey, how comfortable are you in those pews? Maybe some of you need to come. Would you just stand up? Just stand up for a moment. Just go ahead and stand up. And I want us to read a passage together. Oh, I see. Oh, you're groaning and sad faces. Just get over it. We're going to elevate. I want you to elevate your vision of who you are by reading this passage in 1 Peter together. And I've changed it just a little bit so to make it a little more personal. Are you ready? Say amen. amen. There we go. Ready. We read this together. But I am part of, we read it together out loud. I'm going to start again. Here we go. But I am part of a chosen race. I am part of a royal priesthood. I am part of a holy nation. I am part of a people for God's own possession so that I may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called me out of darkness into his marvelous light. Please be seated. Do you, do you see, Wanda, where you're sitting right there, do you see who you are in Christ? Jim, do you see who you are in Christ? Tim, my brother, do you see who you are? You are somebody in the kingdom of God. You are unique with your spiritual gift. You are a unique building block in the kingdom of God. And so there's no more of this, no, I'm just an old country boy from Sanford, quit it, because it's simply not true. You are someone special. God has given you unique gifts that no one else quite has. You are that special piece in the puzzle, in God's great scheme of things. No, I'm just a, quit it. Quit the excuses, and rather rejoice over the blessing of who you are in Christ. You are somebody in the kingdom. Be thankful for the great gift. And now accept the responsibility as a carrier of the light and the love of Jesus. What an incredible thing. Number three, I just want you to think about it now to fulfill that calling. Verse 9 says this so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into the marvelous light. When you're reading the scripture and you come across words like so that or therefore, you should underline them. You should highlight them. If you're a person that writes in the scripture, those are powerful words because they give meaning to what's just happened or what's about to happen. So that and therefore. Verse 9 answers the question. You are a temple of the Spirit. So what? Well, that's great. So what? Verse 9, you were a priest in the service of the Most High God. So so what? So that? Verse 9 answers the question. So that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into the marvelous light. So you may proclaim. There's the purpose. When I was in the army, man, sometimes things got rough. You know, you were sleeping in a mud puddle somewhere, or you were just thankful for the, the ants that were keeping you on the ground so the mosquitoes weren't carrying you away. There were some long nights in the army. And when things got really bad, when it got really bad, someone would often say, well, at least we're not selling shoes. And I guess that's a little bit arrogant because there's not a thing wrong with selling shoes. But what we were saying to each other, listen to me, brothers and sisters, is that your life has purpose. Your life has purpose. Your life has meaning. And there's a lot of people going around the world, and it's kind of sad to see that they don't have that purpose in their life. They're not focused on it. And it's a sad thing to me to think that maybe by the, the, j- just the confession of their life, the confession of their calendar, that the very purpose of their life is just to work hard so that you can get a couple weeks to go to the beach. Again, not a thing wrong with going to the beach, but if that's the entire purpose, then you're not fulfilling the calling that God has given you. Because you are somebody in his kingdom. It's not enough for us to say, man, I mean, people just wander around, it seems to me, like, well, I'm just going to go to the next sporting event, or I'm just, man, I want to tell you all about the, the, the O-gauge trains that I'm building in my basement. Whoo! If that's all you got to be excited about, again, nothing wrong. But don't you know that you're a temple of the Holy Spirit? Don't you know that you've been called into a holy priesthood? Don't you know that you are somebody and you have a calling to fulfill? And what a sad thing to think that, well, I'm just, you know, just living to next weekend where the Panthers are going to play. My soul, you are more than that. And it's about time that we stopped acting like, well, I'm just a good old boy from, man, you are called into a priesthood. And you are somebody. What is all of the hobbies and the sporting events and even a few weeks at the, at the beach compared to being a priest and a holy temple of the Spirit of God? The message, a paraphrase of our passage today, says it this way, but you are the chosen by God, chosen for the high calling of priestly work, chosen to be a holy people. Chosen instruments to do His works and speak out for Him. To tell others of the night and day difference He made for you. From nothing to something, from rejected to accepted, that's you. Rejoice over the blessing of what God has done in your life. Rejoice over the blessing of the calling that He's placed on your life. Rejoice over the fact that you have been given this gift of purpose. And accept the responsibility as being a carrier of the light and the love of Jesus Christ. And some are still struggling. Man, I just, I, you know, I just don't know how to talk about Jesus. Nonsense. I've heard enough of it. I've been preaching for almost 20 years. I've heard the same old story over and over again. It's nonsense. It's a weak and empty excuse We use because we don't care enough to fulfill our calling as God's messengers. And we have to stop it. Is there someone here today? Is there someone here today that knows without a doubt? I'm going to ask you to raise your hand if this this fits your bill. Is there someone here today that can say without a doubt that Jesus Christ has made an incredible Beyond words difference in your life. Raise your hand if that's the case. Raise your hand. If your hand is up, you have a story to tell. Put them down. If your hand is up, you have a story to tell. This was my life before Jesus. This is my life now. This is what he's done for me. He can do the same thing for you. That's it. That's all God's calling you to do. You don't have to be nervous. You don't have to be afraid. You know this story better than anyone else in the world because it's your story. This is my life before Jesus. This is the difference he made. He can do the same thing for you. This is your purpose. This is your calling. Some will respond, well, my story is not very dramatic. I've heard Cal's story. He was a pirate before and now he's saved. No. I was raised in church. I never strayed from church. I don't know. I just don't have much of a story to tell. Stop it. How's this for dramatic? I was headed for an eternity in hell. But God loved me too much to let that happen. And so he emptied himself of the glory of heaven. He walked among us. He allowed himself to be arrested, tried, and condemned to die. He was put on a cross, the worst instrument of death ever created. And there he paid for my sins with his life. And on the third day, God conquered death and Jesus arose from the grave. He died for me and so I've decided to live for him. Is that your story? Is that your story? Because if it's not your story, you're not saved. That's your story. And it's your story and your calling to share that story. To proclaim the excellence of your God. Rejoice over the blessing of who you are in Christ. Be thankful for the great gift and accept your responsibility as a carrier of light and of love of Jesus. Enough excuses. Enough. Well, I just, don't, I just don't want to offend anybody. You ever thought that? I'll tell you what's offensive. That person in hell is offensive. There's nothing going to be more offensive than that. And shouldn't someone tell them there's a better way? Well, I just don't know anyone that isn't a Christian. That's why Jesus said, go, not stay. That's why Jesus said, go, not wait around. Have you? Have you gone? Have you gone out of your way? Bent over backwards for somebody? Have you shared the gospel, the story of the difference that Jesus made in your life in the last year with one person? In the last 10 years, have you? Go. Fulfill your calling. And church, I believe, listen, you with me so far? I hope I haven't alienated anybody. Are you with me still saying amen? Just to let, there you go, thanks. We're going to get this. We're going to get this together. All of us as a church family and this coming year could be one of the most amazing years you've ever experienced in your life. If we just start to elevate who we are in Christ and fulfill the calling and accept the glorious gift of sharing the gospel of praying for our brothers and sisters and then going and sharing it, this could be the most incredible year of Jonesboro Heights. It could be an incredible year the 30 years you're looking back and saying, oh, remember How glorious that was. Those were the glory days back then. Right this year, I think we're going to get this. And as we do and as we go and as we're faithful, God's going to give us opportunities. And he's going to give us God incidences. And they're going to become more frequent. And we're going to start to embrace who we are in Christ. And the pieces of life are going to start to fill back in a little bit. They're going to make more sense. We're going to find a joy that maybe we haven't found when we're just chasing our hobbies or chasing that week at the beach or just chasing work. Because you weren't meant just for that. Those are all fine, but you were meant for something better. You were meant to be a holy priesthood. And I believe that if we do, this could be the year that we see... A mighty and supernatural movement of the Spirit in this church. Isn't that your desire? We can do it this year. The pieces are in place. But we have to decide together. And it all comes down to the cumulative choice. Won't you elevate your vision? Won't you... Start to embrace who you are in Christ. Won't you know that from this moment forward, you're something else, something different, something more? Won't you fulfill the calling? Would you pray with me? Oh, God, you are overwhelming. You are wondrous. There is no one like you. You have loved, you have bent over backwards for us. Words fall so short. My heart is so full just thinking about what you have accomplished through Jesus and what you continue to accomplish. I beg you, Lord, by the power of your spirit, speak to each heart today. Help us to see who we are in you. Help us to accept this incredible honor of being your messengers, your priesthood, servants to the king, servants to his people. Oh, Lord, Speak to each heart. Unite us together in one mighty fist, a strong and powerful unity in your spirit so that we might fulfill the calling you have placed upon our lives. We are yours. Use us for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.